Welcome to the One Player Podcast, the show on solitaire board gaming. I'm your host, Albert, and this is episode 27, War is Hell. Welcome back, or maybe welcome me back. I've been gone for a long time. I've been gone on a long, arduous journey trying to play Ambush, the game I will be talking about today. You know, I keep a little notebook of all the stuff I want to talk on each episode. You know, I'll write notes in there. When I see news, I'll write that down. And then when I go record the episode, if I remember to, I'll go through all that stuff. But at least I'll have notes for myself. Well, I left it at work. Unfortunately, I probably won't remember all the news and that sort of stuff. But I will do what I can. And if this isn't too bad a a job, I will publish it. If it is too bad, I will re-record the show. So for news, the only item I do have... Maybe I got two items, I don't remember. Is the Victory Point Games... Well, this was kind of sad. I thought two games published by Victory Point Games, which were in GMT's P500 list, are no longer on the list. That is Circus Train by Tom Decker and the Revolt and Revolution three-game pack, which had three State of Siege games, two existing Victory Point games and one new one that hasn't been published yet. The reason they said to do this is because now that Victory Point Games has better quality components and you could get games in boxes and that sort of thing, it was decided that they could probably turn around and publish the game faster and get the royalty into people's hands. And the games just really weren't moving on GMT's website. So so that's what they decided to do. On the other hand, that isn't all that bad because so far from what I've seen, a box game for Victory Point Games runs you something like about $25.00. For what used to be a a Ziploc game for about $25. The component quality is better and everything. So it it seems like it is a good deal. And you can, if you want, still get the Ziploc version. It's a little cheaper. I'm not sure the difference. But it does seem to run less than the uh, box game. So next I want to talk about how to prepare when you're going to play a big game. You know, Twice now I've, I've played relatively big games for the show. And I found that I had to do some preparing ahead of time for it to really work. So I thought I'd share some of the the things I've come across with that, you know, might be helpful if you are going to play a big game. You know, again, I have a bunch of things in my notebook. I went and wrote about five or six things I could think of. I don't think this is all of them, but this is what I'll share. First of all, I think you want to cut your counters off the sprues and that sort of thing ahead of time. I should say, I'm assuming this is really going to apply to war games. I think most war games tend to be a bit shorter, and it's not as big an issue there. War games tend to run longer than Euro games, and even than Ameritrash, and that sort of thing. But anyway, so you'll want to cut your counters ahead of time. Probably do that first, and get out of the way, get familiar with the counters, and sort of what they look like. It's you know, depending on the game, that could take a anything from you know 15 minutes, half an hour, to a few hours, and also depending on what kind of job you want to do. Cutting these counters, do you want to clip them and that sort of thing? Do you want to do you want to trim the edges to get rid of any little hanging flash and whatnot? Anyway, so that's the first part. Let's say that just takes one or two nights. What I like to do after that is go on BGG and find any player aid cards that are available, uh, rules, references, and that sort of stuff, and print those out. Have them handy. Maybe browse through it. Don't worry about trying to make sense of the rules. Usually at this point, if I read it, it I really don't know at all what it's talking about, but that's fine. Then I will go ahead and read the rules next. Depending on the game, that could take a, a while. For example, Ambush, it's about a 40-page rulebook. I think that took actually it took me about a week to read, partly because life was so busy here at home. I didn't really have a whole lot of time to read it in one sitting, so I was reading little bits of it every night. 
so I sort of went through the whole book once um, and then kind of went back and reread some parts I was still a little confused on. And then at this point, you know, if if you go back to the player aid, you'll find that it makes a lot more sense. And, and actually, probably it's better to, to read the rules and when a question comes up, also refer to the player aid. And that a lot of times help clear out confusing rules. Okay, so at this point, you've cut your counters, you've read the rules, you're ready to play. What I would do if it's a big game, for example, when I played the Men of Iron game, it had quite a few counters in the game, and they're you know they're all mixed up. All the Spanish counters, for example, are all clumped together, and each scenario only used a portion of those counters. So what I did is I picked the scenario I wanted to play, and went through and found all my counters, and I did that one night and put my counters in a little box, separate from everything else, and now I was ready to set up the board the night I'm going to play the game. And finally. After all this effort, you get to play the game. Hopefully, you get to play it in one sitting. If not, you may have to do it over multiple sittings. In my situation, I cannot leave a game out. So, so the next issue is, after I've played one one night and I need to put the game away, how do I handle this? What I've been doing so far is just getting a piece of paper and writing down all the counters and what spaces they're in, and any other information I need to keep track of, and putting all that back in the box that I used to store those ex the the pieces for that scenario. That worked pretty well with Ambush because there weren't that many counters on the board. Probably like two dozen at most. So, so it was pretty simple, pretty straightforward. So yeah, that's my technique for, for, preparing, for playing a big game. You know, it's basically it involves a lot of preparation. It's a lot of effort, but if it's a good game, you know, it's, it's definitely going to be worth it. Okay, now on to today's game. Today I am talking about Ambush. This is the game that was picked by the contest that I had a couple months ago where the winner, where everybody got to pick a game and then I picked one of those games randomly to review. As I said, it's taken me a while to get to it. It's, you know, life's been busy so I haven't had a lot of time to read the rules first and prepare and then playing the game was hard but I, I've managed to make it through two scenarios and Honestly, if I keep trying to do more before I do the review, it'll, you know, it'll be a, a year before you guys hear from me again. So I thought I'd, you know, I think at this point I've got a, a good enough feeling that I could talk about the game. I, you know, I, obviously I don't know everything, but give you an idea what the game was like for me. So first of all, Ambush was published by Victory Games in 1983. Victory Games, I think, was a subsidiary of Avalon Hill. It was designed by John H. John H. Butterfield and Eric Lee Smith. Ambush is a it's a solitaire only game and is about playing um, soldiers, I guess a a troop of eight soldiers in a World War II setting. Now, what's very unique about this game is it's, it uses a paragraph book, and it as you play and you move on the map, you're reading paragraphs and it's telling you what sort of things you encounter. So there's a lot of hidden information that you could play the game and you know be surprised by all this and it's it's a really neat experience. The game brings eight scenarios. You could pretty much play each scenario once and once you've played it you know what to expect and if you played it again you can be relatively easy you know exactly where to go to and that's sort of thing on the board. Because there's certain things at certain hexes on the board. And every time you play the scenario for example if you came across a couple guys hiding ready to snipe you and they're in j8 every single time you play they'll be in hex j8 
so it becomes a little bit easy just preparing for what you know is there but anyway let me let me tell you about the components first and then I will tell you more about how the game plays in the box you have two maps you have a bunch of counters probably I'd say 200 counters or so I'm not just kinda guessing I'm not sure how many there are Let's see what this says yeah 218 counters it's got the rule book that's about 40 pages and the paragraph book that's I don't know, probably about a dozen pages. It's shorter. I'm not sure how long it is. It has mission cards and a and a like a folder thing to put it in a little slide viewer thingy. It's got a pad of character sheets. My copy, which I th bought off eBay, unfortunately, had one sheet left. It brings a player aid card that has all the different charts on it, a couple couple D10s, and a counter tray. Oh, and a bunch of cards for the talk that give you all the information for all the different German units. Okay, before I forget, I should mention the cards that come with the game, all these German cards, each card is numbered sequentially. So as you're playing the game, you'll read the paragraph book and it'll tell you, oh, pull out German number 17 and 36 and whatever. Um, and then you go through the cards and find those two. The cards are sequentially numbered, but there are gaps in the card. I went through and I sorted all my cards just to organize the game. And I came, eight, number eight was missing and some other numbers were missing. There's gaps here and there and I freaked out thinking, oh great, I got an incomplete game. I'm not going to be able to play it. I went on BGG and I looked and sure enough, it turns out they're supposed to be missing. I fortunately I did have all my cards. So if you're going through a copy, you know, keep that in mind. Don't worry if you're missing some, go on BGG. Somebody has a list of all the card numbers, or a list, of, or there's pictures actually of all the cards, so you could figure out what you're missing if you are missing anything. So that was that was a bit annoying and a bit scary. So the way the game works, you got a you're gonna play eight soldiers. You actually have a sheet that has statistics for each of the soldiers: their firing ability, their ability to see hidden things, their movement rates, and what weapons they carry, and that sort of stuff. So you're going to control these eight soldiers. They each have a name. You give them a name. I guess you don't have to, but you know it's probably more fun if you do, and it makes it a little more personal. And there's rules for how to create characters. So you could create your own or use the sample ones that come in the book. Also, as you play, the from one mission to the next, your characters can gain an experience point and basically start getting better at what they can do. The, the game brings... Eight scenarios, but then there's also expansions that were published. The first one is called Move Out. It has four scenarios. And the next two are, what are they called? Purple Heart and Silver Star. And each of those had six more scenarios. So you could get a total of 24. Plus it was re-themed as Battle Hymn. There's another version, which is the Pacific Theater. And that might also have an expansion. I don't know for sure. So, you know, there's potential for a lot of play in this game. Each scenario is about three to four hours. The ones I played all lasted about four. So, you know, 24 scenarios times four hours. That's 96 hours of gaming. So the way the game works, as you're playing, you're going to set up the board. You're going to have your counters. They might start on or off the board, and you might put some other counters on the board already. As your units are moving into the board, into the map or across it, the, you're gonna you're gonna move into space and then you're gonna check your 
your sheet, what's it called? It's on some sort of computer viewer thingy. But you're going to cross-reference the space you're in with a, on a chart and figure out what paragraph you're supposed to read, if any. It'll give you a paragraph number, and then you can read that paragraph, and it'll tell you what you see or what you have to do. It might say, you know, make a perception roll, and, you know, if you roll below this number, go look at this other paragraph. If you don't, you know, you're done with the book and keep going on your turns. And generally what the paragraphs they're going to do is, as you're going through and you're going to be spotting Germans and that sort of thing, and then Germans come on the board. And, you know, this actually I thought was pretty interesting. I'm glad I had played a Vesuvius incident recently because it is really similar in that there's a phase where you're playing where there's no enemy on the board and there's a phase when there are enemies on the board. And that was very, very similar and it felt very comfortable because I'd played Vesuvius incident. Basically, when there's no enemies, you're free to move around and do some actions that you're able to do and check. Once you go into combat mode, when there are enemies on the on the board or on the map, you then have to keep track of your movements as you're moving around and care, watch for terrain and that sort of thing. So then, you know, the game slows down a lot. And th- that, that's what I found about the game. When there was no enemies on the board, I was kind of moving along. It was fast. I was exploring. And then once enemies came out, the game just really slowed down. And basically, changed, the scale of the game changed from, you know, each turn was a few minutes to each turn is probably like a few seconds or something like that. I don't really know the exact scale, but that's what it felt like. So that's how the game works. You're going to be doing that sort of thing, moving on the map and exploring stuff and fighting. Each scenario has a certain objective. For example, the first scenario when you play it says you got to get your soldiers to three different locations on the board, starting from basically from the opposite end of the map. Once you have your soldiers in those three locations in that scenario, the the game is over, scenario's over. Or if everybody leaves the map or something like that, there's a couple different ending conditions. And then at that point, you tally up your victory points and see how you did. Either you won or you lost. You also get calculate uh, something, I forget what it's called, command points or some kind of other points, which are basically experience points that you could use to then spend to make your characters tougher. Now, I played the first scenario. I did not get enough points to improve any of my characters from that scenario. After the second, I do believe I have enough. I don't remember for sure. That's how the game goes. I'm not going to get into the details of how the combat works and how the die rolls and all that sort of thing work. Let me talk a little bit more about the cards, about the German cards. When when you have an encounter, it'll tell you, oh, draw you know this German number, 17 or whatever. And you pull that card out, and then it has his statistics for fighting and... It even has a little table for how he moves. Like you look at, you roll a die, and that's going to tell you how the unit's going to act that turn. And then you cross-reference the table, and it'll tell you, you know, he might shoot at the best target and then duck, or he might run away, or, or whatever. It just depends, and each soldier has different characteristics, and it also depends on, I forgot what it was called, activation level or something like that. The, the game starts... It might be activation level, but I think I got this wrong, and it probably should pull out the game and double-check. But let's just call it activation level. It starts at 1, and as you're playing the game, the the sheet that you, that you use to cross-reference and see what paragraph to read in the paragraph book, you know, is for this activation level 1. Some point during the game, something's going to trigger you to change to level 2. At that point, you're now using a new sheet that has different paragraph numbers 
and you keep playing until you hit level three or four or whatever. And you may jump straight from one to four or or whatever number, but I think it goes up to as high as six. So each scenario you play has you know a couple cards depending on how many different levels it has. Okay, so what did I think about the game? Let me see. First of all, my first impressions were obviously the rule book. Maybe first before that was the weight of the game. It was surprisingly heavy because there's a lot of paper in there with all those scenario cards. They're basically charts printed on card stock. Card stock. Um, so yeah, so it's a heavy game. The next impression was reading through the rule book. You know, it was kind of fun reading the rule book and the flavor I got from from the description of reading the paragraphs and all that, I thought it reminded me a lot of like a Choose Your Own Adventure book or one of those Tolkien Quest books that were like Choose Your Own Adventure. We actually had characters and statistics and all that. So it's very reminiscent of that. And in a way, the gameplay isn't all that different. It's just more complex. So so it was kind of neat to do, see that, to to have that experience as I read the rule book. The rule book, unfortunately, I found a little hard to get through some parts. Some parts are pretty straightforward and well organized. Other things, for example, you could um, you could make your own character. Well, let me step back. the The rule book is organized so that you have all the rules you need to play the first scenario first, in like the first two thirds of the rule book, and then after that, once you finish the scenario, then there's rules for for how to figure out your experience points and that sort of thing, and then for vehicles. There are vehicles in the game, and then after that, there's scenar- There's the rest of the scenarios listed, and those use the vehicles. So, you know, so it's kind of neat that they organize it this way, but at the same time, it's kind of annoying because scenario one is in the middle of the book, and scenarios two through eight, two through eight are at the end of the book. And also, if if you decide to make your own character, you have to jump to that rules section after scenario one, after all the basic rules. And honestly, I read through it and I could not figure out how to make a character at all. There's, there's some cost stuff that I just could not figure out from reading the rule book in the end. You know, I've been really tired. Maybe that's why. Or maybe it's because it's just too dense for me or something. I don't know. But in the end, I decided to just use the characters that came in the book, which is fine. So yeah, so the rule book, like I said, is a little dense. Uh, I, I kind of dislike the organization. As I was playing the game, I did not find it hard to find information. I generally could find the correct paragraph pretty quickly. The one exception was when I came across numbers in red in uh, red ink on the uh, activation chart. I ended up having to go to BGG to find the answer for that. And the reason it was hard is because that was in the in the rules after scenario one. It had to do with vehicle movement. I had been looking in the first section of the rules and didn't realize it would be back there. The game, you don't play with a lot of counters. You know, it has 200 counters, which is not a ton in number of counters in terms of war games. But when you're playing, you're probably using, like, you know, 20 at a time, really. So it's not too bad. It's relatively light. The map is pretty empty, and it's kind of neat. The experience of playing the game is... It's a bit tedious in a way, you know. You move your counters on the board. You pick up that chart cross-reference your, your hex number and find out what paragraph to read. Either it's going to say none, you put the chart down and move the another counter and then pick up the chart again. And then you know, put the chart down, move a counter, pick up the chart, on, so on and so forth. Sometimes you do have to do something after you've picked up the chart. It'll Instead of saying none, it'll say, you know, go refer a paragraph. So now you put down the chart, you pick up the paragraph booklet, deal with it, 
And if nothing's come out of it, put that down, move counters again, pick up the chart, and so on and so forth. So it's a little tedious, but it doesn't, you know, it goes at a good space anyway. And stuff is progressing, you feel like you're progressing, so it's not so bad. Once you encounter units, the game really does slow down. And I know, I mean, it's fun, but at a couple points I even was bummed when I came across a unit. It's like, oh man, now the, you know, the game's been going and I thought I might finish soon and now... Now it's going to slow down, i got to deal with this, and it's going to be another half hour. You know, I felt this way probably because it was pretty late at night, and I should have been going to bed, but, I mean, that that was an experience I had. I did really enjoy the, the, the ways I was exploring the map and moving along towards my mission. Stuff would come up that I didn't expect, because obviously, obviously I had no idea what was on the map. So that was pretty neat, and, you know, still I have memories of what that was like and coming across this or that item and you know that was that was really cool it is a long game you know, like i said it's three to four hours per scenario each of the times i played it took four and that's probably too long for me you know now at this point i'm not sure if i'm going to play the game again or not it was so hard to get it out i mean it's been fun but it's so hard to get it out and i got to set aside four hours consecutively to play which is pretty hard and that means i'll be up really late at night on a friday or saturday and just exhausted the next day. So I'm not sure if I can put this game away for a while and play it again later. Or maybe even sell it on eBay. It seems to be going right now for about, I think, about $50 for the base game and about the same per expansion. So, you know, it's a bit expensive. Is that a good price for the game? Is it worth that much? You know, it's hard to say. Already owning the game, it's hard for me to say if it'd be worth that much. I, I bought it probably like eight years ago. I think I bought it before my daughter was born. So it costs less then. You know, it's it would be about the same price or cheaper than some brand new game out, say uh, a Dan Versen games, which are about the same price, fifty dollars, at least comparable to to some of those Dan Versen games. The only ones I really played was um, Field Commander Alexander. I'd say it's a better game than that. You know, but it's you know it's crazy trying to compare, but I'd say it's a better game than that. So it's definitely a better value. So yeah, I, I guess what I'm saying, it is worth fifty dollars. I think it is. The interesting thing is, because you can only really play it once, you could always buy the game, play through it, and then sell it back on eBay. And, you know, basically you ended up, as long as the market's stable, you only paid for shipping, really. Sort of like running a game. You know, I almost forgot, user LeQuieter on the on the Solitaire Guild suggested that when I play the game, I should name the soldiers after BGG users. So I went ahead and did that. I'd like to I'd like to go ahead and run down through that roster. Hang on a second. Okay. So I randomly wrote up people from the guild and came up with eight names. First we have Commander Brian TQ Buzz Lewis. Next up, Commander Simon Manicajo Woodward. Next was LaQuiter. Next, Lang Redstar NYC Jones. David Thumpidu Munoz. Paul Gwebert P. Gwebert, William Drock Smith, and Jim Siggy Jameson. Now, the higher up the list, the more able soldier you were, and the lower down the list, unfortunately, the less able soldier you were. However, most soldiers were quite valuable. Now, LeQuieter did ask, I do not kill him in the, in the gameplay. You did survive. Unfortunately, you did take some damage and were incapacitated on that first scenario. As a matter of fact, you're the only person that got hit on that first scenario. 
Sorry about that. And the second scenario, you survived unharmed, but we did have some other... Oh no, I didn't get it. Somebody incapacitated. I thought I had, but I had misrolled something and realized it before it was too late. So anyway, so, you know, you guys were in there. It was a lot of fun taking you in with me on that advent and that, uh, on that mission. Uh, you guys did great. Thank you. And if I do play scenarios three and so on, I will keep using you guys. Uh, hopefully I don't kill anybody. So that is ambush. Do I have any more thoughts on the game? I know I have something else. I was thinking about it a moment ago and I forgot it. You know, there is one more thing I want to say. I, when I was playing, I figured out that if I put my uh, character sheet on the on a clipboard, and then the charts behind it, it worked pretty well. The, I mean, not the charts, but the player aids I printed off BGG. Um, it made it easier to made it very easy to pick these up and write on it, erase on it, and put it back to the side without having to worry about moving other things around and out of the way. So if you have a clipboard, try using that while you're playing. I, I found it pretty useful. And also reminds me that the game didn't actually take up all that much space. I was surprised how relatively small it is. The map is the map is about one and a half by two feet, so it's not very large. And other than that, you don't have that many counters and just the the paragraph book, the the chart to cross reference the paragraph book, and your character sheet. And all that stuff was just sort of stacked somewhere as I was playing. So, yeah, you know, it only took half the dinner table. It was relatively compact. Okay, I think I've said enough. I hope you find uh, this discussion interesting and worth the, the long wait for it. I know I have enjoyed getting to this point. I've got one more thing for today's episode. I recently got a bunch of one-player dice from Chessex. These are custom dice with a little the little one-player logo on them. I'm going to be giving away three sets of dice on the guild uh, on the next show, I guess. All you have to do is go to the guild and enter. I will post a, a forum topic as contest number three or something like that. And everybody's going to put their name on a number. I will randomly draw a number, and the three people on that one will win. Details will be on that forum post. These dice are blue. I think they're pretty neat looking. As you turn them, you kind of see a, a cool, glittery color inside that appears and disappears as you turn the dice at different angles. It's really funky. And these have the pip on the six. I actually ordered them all on the one, but some came out wrong, so don't worry. They still work. Okay, thanks. I hope you enjoyed the show. Well, that's the end of today's episode. If you would like to contact me, you can find me as Fractaloon on BoardGameGeek or you can email me at oneplayeralbert at gmail.com. The intro music is copyright Angus and is protected by a Creative Commons license. The song and copyright information can be found at gemendo.com. The show is published in a Creative Commons, non-commercial, share-alike license. Thanks for listening. <laughs>